oh, I'm not ready for this today. Okay. I didn't do any prep and I don't know, I don't have anything to say. <laughs> well, um, it's probably too late to cancel. Yeah. So I would just say that none of our massive all listening audience expected you to prepare for this at all. So you shouldn't worry about it. How you doing? You look, you look, um, you look like I feel. From the campus of Rutgers University in New Brunswick, New Jersey, welcome to the Writer's House. So, okay, this is Amy Labrie. I'm the Senior Program Administrator for Writer's House. And I'm John Hume. I teach documentary filmmaking at Writer's House at Rutgers, and we are the co-hosts of the Writer's House podcast. So today we're, we've unearthed an episode from COVID days, seems like 1700 years ago, with three young filmmakers whose work was developed during COVID, and we talked to them about their process and how they came up with their ideas and, and their creative um, minds and what they learned in class. So I'm very excited to hear what they have to say. Hey, Michaela. Hi. Hi I'm a little early. Sorry. No, that's okay. We okay. Were just, You're really right on time. We're just scrambling to kind of get our act together and kind of complaining that we didn't, uh, you know, get dressed or, or <laughs> do anything. <laughs> Neither yeah. did I. That's okay. good. That's a, that's where a good are thing. you? Yeah, where are you? I'm in New Brunswick right now what room is that because i like the lighting this is my bedroom wow i would give you a room tour but it's like real messy this is my slanted wall mm -hmm. it's my bed behind me and then the yeah i if you need oh wait i forgot it's a podcast i was gonna say if you need better lighting i'll turn no, it oh no i'm yeah that's how i am too i was like we can look however we want yeah, yeah. the whole point oh that's um, you know what i've been like really interested in podcasting over quarantine ever oh. since What's your podcast about? I don't have one yet. I just interview my <laughs> friends <laughs> and I, I FaceTime them and I put them to the mic. Mm -hmm. and that's what it's called. I don't know. It's hard to like, yeah, it's hard to make things, but it's easy to yeah. record things. Yeah. It it's hard to like commit to an idea, but I have so much fun interviewing my friends that I haven't talked to in a while, but then I have to go through the hour and 30 minutes of footage. And you got to get a partner that can do that for you. Hi, Anisa. Hi. Now you guys don't know each other, right? You were in different classes, correct? Or do I? No, I think we were in the same, class. same class. Oh hi! Yeah, right? Okay, good. So then, we were. okay. okay yeah. well, you know what? The Thursday class was the was the class, man. That was a good class. It really was. It was the class. It was good, homie. Oh yes. <gasps> Atorius. I'm good. <laughs> I'm I so happy you. to see you guys. This is awesome. So I'm going to just sort of backtrack a little bit. You know, this was obviously a once in a lifetime experience for all of us making movies in time of COVID. And that's sort of why we decided to feature a whole series of COVID films um, in the first issue of the Writer's House Review, the digital mm -hmm. journal. And so we're really excited and, and to, to have you guys because, you know, your, your three movies really they're just so indelibly etched in my memory of like that experience, like for, for, di for different reasons that I would like to explore here. Yeah. Um, Justin, can you introduce yourself to Amy just so I can get your 
full names on the air? I'm Michaela Luchin. What year are you and what are you studying? Oh, I'm a third year. I'm studying journalism and media studies with a double minor in creative writing and gender and media. Oh, cool. Wait, yeah. and one more thing. What brought you to 314? Was that just like a fluke or did you hear, did you have an idea you wanted to make a documentary or what, what made you? And for all of you, I'm curious to know the answer to that. Well, my friend slash roommate at the time took mm -hmm. John's class and I think I just like registered for that because I feel like it's important to seek out small classes at a big yeah. university. So yeah. yeah. Okay. Who's next? Um, I'm at Torius Renee. I am currently a grad student at Rutgers Nork for mm -hmm. my master's in fine art and poetry. Cool. And the reason I took that amazing class is because I had been thinking about doing photography for a long time and the opportunity to make a film just felt like an easy way to blend my two mediums together before I pull it apart just for the visual of the thing. And it melded a lot of lessons together for me in a very succinct time, which mm -hmm. I deeply appreciated. Okay, thank you. And go ahead, Anisa. Hi, I'm Anisa, and I am a junior with a double major in art history and English. I don't really know why I chose to take the course. Mm -hmm. I think I've done a lot of creative writing, but mainly in like short stories, mainly in poetry, but I hadn't had any experience in film at all. And I feel like I just wanted to push my limits, see how far I could take this whole writing, creative writing thing, um, and kind of explore different avenues of where I could go after college. So I think um, I was definitely able to engage with writing it as an art as opposed to an essay in a way that was very unique to any experience I've had before. So, so you didn't have any kind of filmmaking experience before this or no, none, none of you did, right? It was, this was like kind of a new thing. Yeah, cool. So I just kind of want to backtrack a couple months, right? Back into the class when things were kind of relatively normal. And I think that Part of the reason why I think so many great films came out of your particular class, not just you three, but a couple others that, that were selected for the journal, and just the totality of it was there was a certain vibe in the room that I thought was very generated by you guys. And the moment that struck me was where everybody pitched their ideas for films. And it was like an extraordinarily, it was almost like a, I was transported out of a classroom experience into like a life sharing moment, you know? And I wonder, you know, as somebody who's always trying to generate that, you know, but it doesn't always happen, what do you think created that vibe in the room that people felt the, the ability to share really personal stories with each other? I feel like it just starts with like one person being vulnerable. I think that like, starts a chain of the other person understands that now they can feel comfortable enough to say a personal story. So I think I think it was just a matter of like, we got lucky with like a bunch of creative people in one room that were also looking for like friendship, not just like a class, but like connection. And yeah, I don't know. I, I remember feeling like 
I was like, I have nothing to lose. So I'm going to tell these people about my divorced parents, you know? Being vulnerable, but still in like a business setting where it's a pitch. Like I thought that was useful for me. So I don't know. It just did, it did kind of turn into like, <laughs> we're all crying and holding hands. Um, but I feel like that just happens sort of when one person takes the leap by saying something because everyone wants to say vulnerable things. They just don't know if it's socially acceptable. Yeah, I think that's that's really important because it's, it's so hard because you're risking something. You're risking rejection. You're risking people being like, she's a weirdo, you know, or like whatever the things are. And so I right. think you're right. When, when one person has the courage to do that, it opens up the door. Uh, yeah, and I think like going back to that idea of risk, I think this was a space where risk, unlike a lot of other, you know, more formal classes, risk is rewarded. And saying things that maybe scare people or make them uncomfortable or um, things that aren't exactly necessarily like relatable and happy or fun necessarily are the things that are effective. And so you almost feel like you're in this place where the more like human I can make myself in the context of all these other people, the more successful I can be. I think it's the draw of the class to begin with. Like when you think of documentary and then you think of filmmaking, I'm not sure that someone who isn't willing to be, you know, very expansive in how they think and how they approach is going to be drawn to the class to begin with there were so many people in a room that just wanted to successfully share so many different parts of themselves in so many different ways, so many different contexts, and from so many different backgrounds that it's almost like anthropology. Like you're in there and you're studying not just how to make a film, but I think when you're there, you're almost studying people and their lives and how they work, which makes you want to think about yourself a little more too. To me, the powerful point was the opening of the class. I feel like very early on, you exposed us to the ability to tell your own story and grow from it. The movie about your father was extremely powerful. And I feel like it left an impression on all of us to like want to tell powerful stories. And in that first examination of us giving our pitches, we had the opportunity to think how all of these things are connected. Like there was a tangible feeling in the room. We were all deeply moved. And I think that was because of how you opened the door. Oh, I appreciate that. Um, yeah, no, I felt that. I felt that. I haven't. I, that was a unique experience to me. I've had that. I've had that in screenings of Unknown Soldier, or I've had that in, you know, other contexts. But that was the first time that it happened to me in a classroom where I was like, "Whoa!" And and uh, it was awesome. It was probably the best experience I've had as a as a teacher. And that was when we hadn't even made any movies yet, you know, so it was really uh, special. Did you make everyone cry? Like, what happened? You made everyone cry. The pitch just, it's what Michaela said, which is like, it started snowballing. I don't know who started it <laughs> off. Yeah. It just one person after the next was sharing what they were thinking about making a movie about. And it was, you know, really deeply personal stuff. And one filmmaker, uh, Aya, she... 
started telling a story that she couldn't finish. And it was just the, the way that everybody in the room looked out for her just created such a incredible energy. And, you know, and I think it's why we were able to endure through what came afterwards, you know, and still feel a sense of community, despite the fact we were all suddenly heads on a screen instead of in a room. Can but, I add something to that? Yeah, please. I think like that was also a moment that I was thinking of, but I didn't know how to bring it up. But I think that was like a real showcase of how like artistic people are so empathetic and and can let people take the time to understand what they want to say. Like I, I feel like in any other class when you don't know what to say in front of the class, there's like a, a very stiff silence between you and the other classmates that's like awkward and you feel like there's time ticking. But like in this class, if someone was thinking about the next sentence they wanted to say, it was like, we're here to listen for the long run. So you can take as much time as you need. And I feel like that translated over maybe just for me, but when I had no idea what I wanted to make my film <laughs> about, you were like, well, don't worry about it because maybe that could be your film, you know, like, <laughs> um, and that kind of patience, I don't know, maybe that was something that translated over into quarantine. So you mentioned that you didn't have any idea about what kind of movie you're making. When I tell people the story of like what happened over that in the course of that semester, a lot of people had decided and actually had started making films that they had to abandon. Um, tell me where you guys were at before COVID hit. Well, originally I wanted to make a documentary on South Asian culture and how it deals with sex and sexuality coming from like a family of two immigrant parents. And so I wanted to like interview a bunch of South Asian people, interview my parents and make them mega uncomfortable on screen. But COVID obviously made that really hard to do. And there was, we had a moment of thinking like maybe we'll do it on Zoom. Um, these interviews, but there was something about that that just felt very wrong. To me, like it was a, it was a weird um, situation where you're talking about something so deeply personal that people have a lot of stories to tell that make you want to reach out and hug them and and tell them your story too. I didn't get the feeling like it felt right to do that over like essentially a FaceTime call. And so I, after that, I pivoted to the documentary I did end up making, which I think. I think the whole thing with COVID and not being able to be around people and not being able to do what I originally had set out to do actually pushed me to do something, create something that I was really scared of making. My film ended up being something of a catharsis more than it was purely a documentary. Um, and I think when we were you know, talking about what do you want to make this film about, where do you want to take it, Going to that level of vulnerability like so many other people in the class are doing was just absolutely horrifying to me. But then, you know, you're in you're in the space by yourself for so long. It's like the only person I really have right now to play with, to poke and prod at is myself. So 
if everyone else can do it, I can do it too. And I think it took me like until literally two weeks before the film was due to actually film anything because I was absolutely terrified of making something that I think I ended up ultimately being a lot more um, proud of than I would have been. Talking about risk, like a lot more risk in your piece. But I think it's what I really liked about it too was that it um, we're all feeling that way too. And, and especially, you know, people who don't have roommates or who might be, might be alone or might be living with their parents. Like, where does the body go when it's by itself? Like just that idea that, you know, you still need touch and you're still longing for connection. I think your film captured really well what that's like. Kissing my own arms, my reflection, I don't feel as possessed as I want to be by you. I have to dress myself pretty to remind myself you still love me. I wonder if you still will when we are back together, when we can touch each other again. very strange experience with my movie because I had done an entire movie beforehand. I had done most of the filming and I was getting the connecting pieces to make a whole nother movie about the new resurgence into witchcraft and what that looks like in leaving our past lives behind. But being trapped inside with all of that panic. I was really humbled by the opportunity to just ground and make the movie I did and capture the people I did because it's still scary, but like I have direction, like things are still moving on, which is also scary. I feel like I had the opportunity to dive into myself also, like see how I can continue to operate in a world that isn't the same from before. And like, I don't know if things are ever going to be normal again, if we'll ever get off Zoom University, but I think it's really important to be able to find those moments of grounding. It is day 32 of being inside and I ran out of shea butter today. The whipped shea butter that I normally use, so I'm gonna make a big batch and send them to people. I'm gonna walk you through my process. Um, this is how I am practicing magic these days, just blatant survival magic. Yeah, and I feel like you did such a wonderful job in your film of capturing those moments, whether it be making the butter or doing the yoga or just getting your soon-to-be husband ready to go out and do, you know, something very scary, which was just go out into the world and go to, go to work, you know? And, and I wondered what the act of filmmaking did for you to, to help you stay grounded as well. Did it give you some level of comfort you know, when everything else was sort of skeetering out of control. Filmmaking actually offered me the pleasure of being a child again. I got to play again. And it led me back to taking care of my body again, which led me to journaling again, which led me to therapy again, which enhanced my connection to my ancestors. Like all of the things 
looking at how they've played out are actually which is leading me to working with community the way I am. I'm headed in the direction of my purpose, which is wholeheartedly terrifying. Like, I don't want to lie about that. It's scary. I'm scared. But I'm also very grateful to have another medium to play with when I don't necessarily know where I'm going. Michaela, put us where your head was at, you know, when COVID hit. You were talking about exploring your sort of interesting parental relationship. Yeah. You know, I had begun interviewing and then everything kind of got upended. Yeah, so I was considering doing a film about, as you said, my interesting parental situation. And it almost like became a little too real when I started quarantining with one of my parents. So the more that I was like trying to film this and almost like tiptoe around my parents and my family with the, this idea that I wanted to do, it was like affecting me in a way that I couldn't complete the film. And, and on top of that, I was playing ukulele a lot and like trying to do something with my hands throughout quarantine. So I didn't like forget that I was a human being. So I started playing ukulele and telling John about that. And then I was like, yeah, I just like did a cover. I'll send it to you. Um, but then it ended up being, <laughs> then Bernie Sanders dropped out of the nomination. And then I was like, oh no, no, no. And I wrote like a really sad mental breakdown of a song. And then I sent it to John and he was like, what the, what the? Um, that's not what I said. What I said was, <laughs> was freaking awesome. Are you kidding me? Yeah, I, that's what, that's what, what the meant. Okay. Sorry, <laughs> I wasn't articulate. Because you told me you were sending me a cover. And so yeah. I was like, oh, okay, I'm going to get some Joni Mitchell or I'm going to get something, you know, <laughs> like I've heard before. And and then I was just blown, like of all the experiences of that semester, that's the one that I'll always remember most because it came as a total surprise. I didn't know you could sing. I didn't know you could play the ukulele. We had just had a, like, a heavy talk, you know, from a from a teacher standpoint, I'm sure Amy, you went through this as well, is like there were some conversations in those first few weeks when it was all Zooming where you never even got to talk about what the work was. You were just like, are we all okay? Are we, yeah. are we hanging in there together? And then you sent me that and I was just like, I was just blown away.
I like made that out of really nowhere and I was alone and I knew it was like a product of like really myself at that time. So I was like really excited to share it. I got so much positive feedback from that, that it's like, I don't want to be dramatic and say that it powered me through quarantine, but in a way it kind of did. And I think like your reaction to it, obviously I like never turned back. Like I didn't want to do my family idea anymore. I wanted to focus on this thing that became very important to me. But like on the topic of like looking back at our films and stuff, I watched that and I couldn't believe how lucky I was to have like a memorialized kind of like image of me in quarantine because I like it feels it genuinely feels like years ago of me in like March. I'm seeing a past me that's like totally the purest form of me. kind of parallel that I'm hearing from all three of you is that there was something to do with the body and the physicality for all of you. Like, I wonder if there's any connection there with that and being remote or just like how this alone time or mostly alone time is makes you have to turn inward, but also to physicality. I think I'm trying to sound smart because you guys all sound so smart. <laughs> I think that makes a lot of sense. And like in survival mode, it's like the only thing you have is your body. I think the ukulele was like something just to do with my myself that wasn't thinking about when this will be over. Same goes for yoga or for exercise. It's like, this is just like primal things that I can do without thinking. Um, but also like, I think the, the idea of like touch and physicality is like, we're so not allowed to do that during this time. As far as touch, and um, physicality goes. I'm generally like a very introverted person. So being around people is not um, something that I find is super necessary um, in my day-to-day -day life. But I do feel as like human as I possibly can when I'm close to other people. Even if I don't know them, even if they're like quietly reading or something five, six feet away from me, I feel like that's where my comfort zone is, being just in the presence of life and joy and happiness and people that are feeling things nearby, um, that if I needed to or if I wanted to, I could make that effort to connect. And um, during, especially the beginning of quarantine, um, they're like, five people that are like extraordinarily close to me that I need to have around me as often as humanly possible. And at the start of quarantine was the longest we'd ever been apart from each other in our like entire lives. And I think that's probably what made physicality so important. Cause I think that was like the, it was the time when I came to the realization of like, those moments when we're just like sitting near each other and even if it's like complete quiet that's where like my comfort is it's where like the happiness is that's when you know that your life is so like interconnected with someone else's when you can just feel comfortable in their silence even if it's like a cliche um, because at that point I hadn't seen my three best friends and they were all overseas and we had no idea when the next time they were going to be able to come back. 
is. And I hadn't seen my partner for about a month or my sister for a month and a half. So it was just me and my mom every day. And I love my mom, but <laughs> it gets to be a lot of like the same kind of interaction before you just start feeling tired. Um, and I think simultaneously, I have a lot of like body dysmorphic kind of issues where, um, or I shouldn't say issues, experiences where I feel most like I'm in a body and like I function when I know that I can be seen by someone else. And I think what school and being on campus has done for me is make me feel more like I exist. Um, as like strange as that sounds, because I know that like, especially like with the way that I tend to dress, I know that I'm being seen by someone if I step outside and I know that like we can like look each other in the eye and I can remind myself I'm here. What's interesting to me too, you guys are creating this, what is essentially historic footage because we can, we're like such in our minds now that this is like, seems like it's going to go on forever. And I, I don't know. I just think it's so great that you're all going to have this footage that really captures in a way what it's like for people who aren't going to believe it. But you have the evidence and you have the, it's historical things that, that, that you've made and are making. I think that's really neat. There's this joke on the internet that young people are going to um, romanticize the coronavirus quarantine just as like we've romanticized like the 70s um and I'm like thinking about that and if my child ever just wears a mask and is like mommy give me your old mask I'm gonna <laughs> yell at them because <laughs> although no, this is like show them yeah just show them the footage right right no? <laughs> yeah I won't yell I'll show them the footage yeah exactly but um yeah no that that is a I struggle to think about a time where I'll be able to look back at this and forget this because it feels like, obviously, it just feels like this is never going to be over. But um, that it is interesting to, I mean, even like, as I said, looking back at a film that I made, like in the real depths of quarantine, I'm a different person than I was. So it's pretty wild. And that's only been, I don't know four months since I made that and I just feel like a, a entirely different cell of a human being so I can't imagine like even two years out watching or listen even listening to what this will be like I know I'll feel <laughs> like completely like a different person so but um over quarantine I made like a little shoe box that was like quarantine and put everything I made art wise the flash drive of the film I made and um, a bunch of other art pieces that I created in this shoebox. So like if I ever want to really see what I was up to, I'll go in there. That's a time capsule. That's mm -hmm. really neat. Now you need to go bury it in the backyard. <laughs> exactly. Steel box though. Yeah. That's neat. Keep doing it. Like maybe you are still doing it. And Notorious, you're in a program for that's going to kind of make you write poetry and stuff. But I hope you'll keep doing it. Even though the class is over and you may be taking other classes that don't ask you to capture this stuff I, I hope that's another thing that came out of taking this class and looking back is like keep making the art you're entirely right i have journals on journals now in this very short period of time of all of the thoughts i've had like they're their own weird niche like collection of thoughts and i'm like 
terrified to look back through them, but I know that there are some poems there that are gonna write themselves. And it's been fun. In some ways, the, the quarantine is like an, an introvert's dream. Like some days I'm like, yay, I don't have to put pants on, you know? And then other days I'm like, oh my God, this is rough. You know, it's so strange. I have been just focusing on getting through the day, but more so just doing things that make me laugh because I don't really have anything else. Like I don't, I don't want to ever stop laughing during this time because that could get real bad. So um, I'm in a screenwriting class and I've just been, yeah, I've just been trying to still record music or just interviewing my friends as like a, I want to talk to you, but let's record it kind of thing. And I think, I think it'll, it'll come naturally when I want to document things that I, I really think will like benefit me to look back on. I think I'm bad at planning that type of thing. And I think it'll just come. Um, Cause I'm that type of person anyway, who, and I'm, maybe I learned that skill from this class just to pick up, the camera or whatever recording device when something significant is happening. It's just like, Oh, I know I want to revisit this. And I think that was like a skill that John had to teach me. Cause I, I wasn't recording a lot of the things that I was telling you conversationally. And you were like, why didn't you record that? So I think now I'm doing that on my own, which is, it's cool to walk away with that skill. And I'm still waiting on the ukulele album. Oh God. I want seven more songs. Maybe. Amy, you got any last questions? When you're famous, will you remember us? Yes. Don't forget, okay? All three of you remember that, okay? No, remember where you came from. Come back. Come back to Writer's House and and show your films and read your poetry. And I have high hopes for all of you. Amy, you've done this a lot longer than, than me, but I think the hardest thing for me as a professor in a program like this is like, I get you guys for like three or four months of like really intense stuff and then poof, there you go. So having you guys in this space right now reminds me of what a pleasure it was to work with you, how much I miss you guys, you know, going forward. So stay in touch and, and you know, keep me in the loop. And I'm always here as a resource whenever you need me. Thanks, you guys. Thank you so much, guys. Thank you. Take care of yourself. Talk to you soon, hopefully. All right, bye-bye. Okay. Bye. The Writer's House podcast is an original production from the School of Arts and Sciences at Rutgers University in New Brunswick. Our theme song is Collarbone by Fujia and Miyagi. This episode features music by Chill Study, Bull Champion, Flash Flority, Olive Music, Cruder and Dorfmeister, and the Lemonheads. But